and welcome back. Today, we uh, this is Doug Barnett. I am here with my co-founder and partner, Brand Choate. What's up? And we have some interesting topics today. Brant, um, yesterday was Brant's birthday, so congrats on being a year older. Do you know how old you are? 38, See, I learned. That's actually, I know that might seem like an odd question, but it's a fair question for Brant because sometimes he legitimately does forget how old he is. <laughs> We're going to talk about, uh, once again, some things that are ruminating in our minds as we are building Remy, um, our startup that's about, uh, well, coming up now on seven quarters old in nine days, seven quarters. So we're coming up on the two-year mark, about 21 months. Currently, our team size is like between 20 and 25 people. You know, as we look back on kind of where things were, and the other thing about today is Happy new Slack UI day. <laughs> Finally. That's what all the buzz on X is about these days. We have a company offsite next week. We, we are going through as, as a leadership team and going through a lot of the core strategy components for 2024, looking at our annual plan. And as we begin to share what that agenda looks like with our broader teams, one of the things that triggered was how do we think about career progression um, inside of Remy for all of our teammates here? That got me thinking about what I would call some of the pitfalls that I've seen and also some of the things that I think really, really matter as you're building someone's career and helping shape their future. And so I wanted to start off at least to start here on this topic with titles and talking about how should companies think about titles how they cascade up and down throughout the organization. There's really no right way to do this um, structurally. To go through what I would call a pretty traditional structure and a, a couple of the pitfalls that, that I've seen and, and that, you, you know, Brent, you can chime in here. You know, basically you have what I would call a very um, normalized corporate structure where, you know, you have an IC that then becomes some type of supervisor and then some type of manager. And then from a title perspective, you add a senior to that. So you go from manager to senior manager. And usually after that, it's director and senior director and VP and senior VP up into usually an EVP, which is usually a C-level. And some of the pitfalls that I've seen is, I believe it is very important for individual contributors to be tracked alongside what I would call team leaders from a career progression perspective. Not a normal thing in many companies. Many companies, career progression is seen as managing, which is really dangerous, I think, for a lot of people's careers, as well as the perception inside of companies that to be successful and to grow, you can no longer directly contribute, which is extremely dangerous. I want every one of my team members to be very proficient in being able to execute at some level in some capacity as an individual contributor forever, including me as a CEO. I need to be able to do things, activities that I don't rely on other people to do. So how, when you've seen org structures like this, Brent, how do you, how have you seen ICs track alongside some of these kind of normalized titles. One thing that I think about a lot is what is the reason that we have, you know, leaders and scales and titles and all that kind of stuff. And essentially 
the way that it tracks in my mind is you have someone that has to be able to kind of ingest like a large body of work and then split it up and somehow manage it across, you know, a five, 10 people or whatever, how many people they manage. And in order to make, you know, the right decisions about how to split it up, it is helpful to know the actual job function of the people that they're managing. So it makes sense as to why people end up in this kind of cycle um, when you're scaling a company where you have some of your best individual contributors that you naturally want to kind of make managers because you're like, oh, well. Because they're succeeding. Yeah. They know what success looks like. Surely they can help other people do it. They're one of the best engineers, one of the best product managers, salespeople, whatever. They're going to have like a good taste and sense of how to, you know, help other people succeed and split up work. I think what, you know, you're, you're kind of poking at is that that's not always the case. It's actually like very hard to find people that are really good at the job and then also want to manage and are good at managing. And so getting back to your question, I've seen, you know, what, what started to shape out is this trend of having, you know, a parallel track for individual contributors and managers in terms of comp, um, influence in the company, um, meeting attendance, meeting attendance. So take engineering. If you have an engineer that, you know, can genuinely sit down and is the mythical 10 X engineer is mega efficient. They have a great understanding of all your systems and you want them you know, in the code and staying in the code, then you might have a track that looks something like starting at software engineer, senior software engineer. Um, they move up to like a principal. They move up to um, an architect. There's kind of these different terms that are start, starting to emerge. And the meetings thing you pointed out is like really interesting because these these people will attend like executive level meetings. They'll participate in things that, you know, the other individual contributors won't. And my experience with it so far is that you might not have them necessarily laying out all the same type of strategy that the the leaders are, um, but they're there, they're pitching in, their voices are heard kind of in the more like specialized um, areas of concern that, that they're there with. And so it is helpful. And I do think it kind of does something to alleviate this uh, tension where you have people that try to get into leadership that maybe shouldn't be in the first place. So on that note, I think as you just thinking through just, let's say, meetings as an example, which in many organizations, like it or not, those where a lot of decisions are being made. It's where context is being shared. And even if even if an, an, an IC who maybe is not that vocal or doesn't necessarily want to chime in on strategic decisions, even being in the meeting to be able to share context and understand the context as we're thinking about actually writing code or selling something directly as an, as an example of a different field, those things can really help hearing directly from the senior leadership of the company on as to the why we're making the decisions that we're making. One of the things that I have seen as a pitfall, though, as we think about this whole career progression and that I want to have a voice or I want to be in the room or I want to the chance to 
think more strategically is the distinction between getting a title change and now on my LinkedIn or on the glass on my office or on my email signature or wherever else that that, that title may live, I have quote unquote been promoted and I want everyone to be able to see that. And it's like, I'm not actually being sarcastic in any way. It's, it's a meaningful distinction to many people as they move through their careers that should be celebrated and honored and, and dignity around it. However, that is all true. But if I were starting out in my career and I could take the knowledge with me that I have today versus trying to go just get title progression, the one thing that I would really be seeking um, that doesn't necessarily come with title progression is what I like to call landmark victories. Take a, an enormous problem or something that needed to be solved in the company. And oftentimes if I'm sitting in an interview with someone and I'm asking about you know some type of experience in their career and I'm digging deep on something from their resume, usually I can figure out pretty quickly if the thing that they're taking credit for, they actually did. Yeah. Because the level of um, detail that they will have um, is astonishing at their understanding of the problem. And then in, in addition to that, if you were actually the person that achieved the landmark victory, if you did that thing that you're taking credit for, I have found people that are responsible for those things will give me references on that specific item. That, and they'll say, call that person. Find out exactly what I did on that problem. And those people will be able to explain in great detail the work that that person did. And from my experience, title progression that does not come along with landmark victories that you can tie your career to, it's a little bit like eating a bag of Cheetos. It's just like it's it's a little bit of empty calories. Have you have you seen something similar? Yeah, I was working at Adobe and it was my first job out of school, um, kind of like official, like big person job or whatever. And I think I was starting to feel something internally I couldn't quite make sense of, like some amount of dissatisfaction, starting to look at all these different factors and, you know, why is this person getting paid more? I'm doing more, blah, blah, blah. And they had us kind of ironically have a book club and we read this book, How Will You Measure Your Life by Clayton Christensen. And I read the book. There's this key concept in there that there's a difference between motivational factors, like true motivational factors, why you should, you know, take a job and then like hygiene factors is what he calls them. Yeah. Hygiene factors are status, comp, um, job security, work conditions, things like that. Like they matter. And the, the analogy is that if, you know, enough of them add up, then like it's the same as if one person has poor hygiene. Like it's, you know, they smell and people don't want to be around them. So it can, it can lead to a job where, you know, you, you can be unhappy with those things, but um, they don't, they're not the actual things that create the happiness. And that all came together for me in that, that job in that moment reading that book and I literally wrote up my resignation letter that night like it's just so clear and I had no plans of what I was going to go do at all but it just you know was was obvious to me that this element that you're talking about where 
you're basically optimizing for like things you're genuinely interested in, things that you have curiosities around, and then also where you think you're going to be able to get the right experiences around those curiosities. So basically it kind of led to me putting a lot more focus into who am I going to go work with? Like who's the actual team? Who am I going to learn from on this team? And I stopped just considering like what the title was from there on out. And I think if you go look at my resume, like there's basically a gap from, um, you know, leaving Adobe until starting companies where it's kind of just like primarily optimizing for experience. And I could have optimized for titles along the way. Like I think I could have, I, I, I got into a role at Adobe where, you know, I think I could have become like a director at Adobe within, you know, my first two years. And it, it would have been like a pretty significant salary pretty bump. Prestigious. Pretty prestigious, yep. pretty impressive, whatever. But I kind of went down this other path. And it's interesting to compare people that stayed there that I worked with. They were kind of in the same mind space. Like, do I do what I want to do? Do I optimize for like personal growth, play long-term games basically, or do I play this title game? And I know many of them that are still there that are just like completely dead inside shut off. And sure they like rose the ladder a little bit, but um, if you compare, you know, over 10 years taking one path versus the other, I think even in terms of all the hygiene factors, you end up ahead of times, most of the time in my experience. So there's so much that's interesting about this. And to tie into maybe some of the pitfalls of what I would call optimizing for title and comp early on, we're doing a lot of interviewing right now as we're, as we're hiring. Let's just take the director title as an example, which is at most companies, a, a pretty prestigious, hard thing to achieve. Mm-hmm. And it's what I would call, it comes along with an, a level of understanding and competence that you must have if I'm going to hire you, because usually that carries along with it a certain level of compensation and a, a certain level of understanding that of skills that you can bring to the company. And what I've found is in the ambitious quest to further my title and further my comp, some of these interviews we are conducting, it's clear that that person is overcomped and overtitled for their level of skills and the things and and accomplishments. That hurts you actually. And people don't fully understand that is Getting it too early before you're really before you really can come in and contribute at a very high level can be damaging to your career at the companies that you really want to work at. The companies that are those things are flowing very easily. The level of rigor and uh, challenge it takes to run a company profitably, you cannot make incorrect hires and pay them very well. Yeah. You won't last. That's just it's, it's not a, that's not even a cultural thing. That is a, a true principle. And so as you optimized for experiences, one of the things that's like, well, how do I know? Like, how do I know if I'm in a job and I'm thinking about how I should view my career and what I, and, and what's really happening. If I take an honest step, like get out of the weeds, 
and take a 30,000 foot view of my job today. This is the thing that I would tell you is do an assessment of the big rocks in the company, the big priorities, what things are trying to get done and where are you playing? Are you being asked to solve big problems? Are you being trusted with information? Are you basically what, what you said before, which is exploring your curiosity and then being challenged to come with solutions around that curiosity. Are those things being integrated into your job or are you just getting vanity metrics around it? And I can tell you true career project progression that lasts is much more the former than the latter. But that is somehow misunderstood amongst many not even early career professionals, most professionals that I meet. What I, what I think happens at the core is a lot of people look to someone else in their life or some figure, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, whoever, and they basically pick somebody that represents the opposite of them or things that they loathe about themselves. So they look like their heroes are people that are not them. Yep. And then they optimize their whole kind of life, career, whatever, towards trying to be like that person. Which I think, you know, for some things can be helpful, but in most cases that I've seen, it kind of just sets people up to fail. And it sets people up to focus on the things that don't matter for them. And it, 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 it basically kind of puts them in this trap of trying to be something that they're not. So I think the alternative is and this is like, you know, we've been trying to do personality assessments and all kinds of things to help our employees sniff this out on their own. But what I found is that when most people do those types of exercises and they get real with self-awareness, they do find these, these nuggets where they have a unique combination on, of personality. So like when I was doing this for myself, it was like, you have a high creativity score, like top five percentile but you also have the ability to not be flustered by disorderliness the combination of those two things is rare and it actually is really helpful for doing a startup because i notice tons of things like i notice so many things but for the most part i can kind of put it away be okay and tune in where i need to and kind of like turn up the heat where it matters. Um, and I think most people have some combination like that, that that they can kind of sniff out and make their unique advantage, but it gets covered up by this quest to be something that they're not. Well, this gets back into something we talked about last time, but self-awareness, understanding who you are, your weaknesses, your unique things. There's something unique about you that is that really stands out. If you know it, it is a superpower. It really is a superpower. I can't think of anything that sets you apart better. I want to I want to just touch on something that let's say someone is doing all those things. They're getting a lot of what I would call visibility from senior leaders of the company because they're working on really hard big projects, important projects and winning. Let's say that's happening and you're focused on those things and you don't get raises. Now you know you're at a company that's not good. And 
I had this happen to me. This was about this in my late twenties. Mm-hmm. I was consistently meeting with senior leaders at the company. I had what I would call quote unquote a couple landmark victories where I solved a big problem. And actually, I knew that we had won the trust so much of the senior leaders, there was a major, major problem that didn't have anything to do with our, our, me and my kind of partner at the time of our scope, and they asked us to solve it. And I never in, in 30 months did not get a raise. And I was probably making half of what my contemporaries were making in other companies. And I was telling my dad, I remember having this conversation with my dad and he just said, Doug, the core problem is this is not a great company. And that's, this is the clear signal that you've got to get your way out. And sometimes that's masked and hard to see because you believe so much in the work that you're doing that you want to believe that the company believes in you an equal amount. Sometimes it's not, it's just not true. So like having this balance that there should be, it's a give and take on both sides. It's not just only on you. The company should recognize those things and should be preempting raises, should preempt new opportunities. I don't think that, you know, what we're suggesting in terms of like, don't focus on this stuff, put your head down, do your job well, and you'll get rewarded. I think what you're saying is important because all we're saying is it gives you the best chance. That's a great way to say it. It's not a guarantee. Like you're still going to end up in companies that don't value you. Or you're not aligned. I mean, I, I would say even if you just consider the cultural differences between Utah and Silicon Valley, I can tell you there's very significant things that are you know nuanced in terms of how someone perceives you that would get in the way of you progressing in one place versus the other. What a CEO looks like in Silicon Valley is drastically different than what a CEO looks like here and what people sort of subconsciously respect. And so I think you know, it does take time to figure out the core of who you align with as a company and make sure that you're like getting into the right company to begin with. But I do think, like I said, what we're suggesting just gives you the best chance, no matter where you are. Whining and complaining or feeling wronged and kind of getting into this victim cycle, you're just, it's just over at that point. The other thing there's a couple more things that I want to talk about in this thread. This We could talk about this for a long time. You have to play the long game. And what that means is people are like, well, I, I did this thing. It was really great. I, they gave me an opportunity. I succeeded. I should get immediate gratification on that point. My experience has been at great companies, true promotions happen 12 to 24 months after that person is ready to be promoted. And that's normally the case because usually, and you don't see a lot of this, there's a whole bunch of things happening behind the scenes to make room for that person. There's other people in positions, maybe somebody needs to move on, maybe they've gotta go reorg a department, whatever it is, usually the the promotion does not happen upon the moment that that person is like, I'm, I'm, I'm a VP level talent, I should be a VP. I, I have not seen that to be the case. And so playing the long game, I think, is also important. And having moments inside of those companies with the leadership that you report to 
if those if those conversations are happening, recognition is being given, there's compensation movement, not maybe exactly how you want it, but things are progressing. You've got to take yourself out of the emotional details a little bit and be patient because I promise you in most scenarios, if you are at a great company, they know, but the timing may not be perfect. I've seen that happen quite a lot. Yeah. And especially the higher you get up, there's just limited spots. And so sometimes you're choosing between two people or three people or whatever that are all excellent. There's maybe like, I don't know, a fraction of a point difference. And you're just sitting there trying to figure out some way to differentiate between them. Yep. And those are just tough decisions. They are very tough decisions. Okay. The other thing that's also that I want to flag here that maybe many people have not seen. Claire talks about this in her book that we referenced in our last episode. It's called um, Scaling, Scaling People. And Claire was at Google for 12 years, started when they were at 1500 employees. And then I don't know when they got, she was there when they had an infinity number of employees. And she was talking about the annual planning process. And she says, it didn't make sense to me that basically they would peanut butter spread new headcount budget as they were doing their annual planning for the next year equally across departments. That didn't make sense. Like, why? that's not strategic. It's not well thought out. Some departments may not need more heads. Some may need more. It's just very, very difficult in the planning process to know exactly what that is. Okay, so take that context. I have seen many meetings where I am going after a promotion for one of my teammates. And the reason that the promotion didn't happen is because basically there was horse trading going on and that someone else would have needed to be promoted in another department at the same time, Mm -hmm. or there would have been political drama. It sounds so stupid. It is so stupid. It's also true. And it happens probably everywhere in scaled companies. And so sometimes those things happen, especially as you get more senior Especially when you get to a place, whatever that place is in the in the scaled company, where compensation, especially with stock, starts to be paid. So this is not like early startup stock. I'm talking about like, let's say you're at Adobe. RSUs. RSUs. Now you're talking, they're trying to keep the number of people that are getting RSUs. They've got a certain number of budget that the board has given them. They've got to live within that budget. And if they promote X person, there's Y and Z person in these other departments. And then when they look at the total headcount of, whoa, we now have 500 people getting RSUs. Our budget is 400. We can't do this. There are going to be constraints that exist inside uh, of a company like that. And so sometimes, like we've talked about, this is another reason why patience in playing the long game can pay off. Because the opportunity that you want or the compensation that you feel you deserve may be 6 or 12 or 18 months lagging behind where you want. But like in my last opportunity, I was there for almost a decade. And if I look at the micro segments, there were periods of times where I was frustrated about comp or title. But if I look at the macro, what it did for my career, the things that I learned, the opportunities that it gave me, the things that it prepared for for me, there is nothing negative about that experience that I can point to at a macro level. And that's sometimes really hard, especially early on. 
yeah, it's, you just don't have the perspective. Um, I think one, one piece of advice that's maybe a little more succinct if you're young in your career is you have to try and do as much as you can to put yourself in the shoes of your managers and the people running the company. You have to have empathy. The, if, you, if you attempt to do that, you find out that your leaders don't do things because they're stupid or they're dumb or lazy or whatever your perception is or trying to screw you. There's normally just like a lot of complicated reasons that lead into these outcomes. There was actually a, a guy that kind of put together a framework somewhat recently that I saw. Um, he calls the magic loop. And I think it gets at the core of having this empathy towards, you know, your employer. And basically he said, if you want to advance in your career, do your current job well. Ask your manager how you can help. The first one's really important, by the way. It's the number one thing. If you start doing other things and you're not doing your current job well, none of this matters. So just calling that out. So do your current job well. Ask your manager how you can help. Then actually do what they ask. This one gets dropped a lot too. Tons of people come and say like, oh, how can I do all these other things? And you tell them and then you just never hear from them again. They don't have a good way of tracking to-dos, managing their time, whatever it is. And they just don't do the thing. So do what they ask. And then you start to ask for work that advances your career. And then you continue to do as they suggest. So it's sort of this five-step process, but it's, he, I think it's important that he calls it a loop. Like you have to keep doing that over and over and over. It's not this thing where you're going to go from 40 hours, 60 hours, whatever you're working currently, and then think, oh, I'm going to step on the gas for three months and really show them what I got. And just like burn yourself out, overextend, do all this extra stuff with the hope that you get some like magic oh. reward at the end. Never works. Rarely works, I'll say. I think it's actually like one of the fastest ways to go from being someone that the company really loves to kind of getting into a, a spiral of, you know, all of a sudden you're not keeping up with your current job. You're feeling resentful because you're doing all this extra and expecting a reward. And you just have to figure out some way to get into this loop that I'm mentioning and have it be sustainable. And so... It's tough because there's trade-offs. If you're, if you're starting to do extra work above what you've been asked, you have to have leverage somewhere. Like it doesn't just, so it's like, are you going to spend more time on work? Are you going to figure out how to do your existing work faster? Like, can you make decisions faster than like, where are the places that you can actually trim? You can't just get into this mindset of just, you know, I'm an endless bucket that can kind of handle doesn't work. Work unlimited amounts of things. So. I think that's um, you know sort of a, a different way of maybe thinking about how to actually advance in your career that is you know I, I think fairly simple to think through. Yeah, that's that's great. I want to just touch uh, on non early career professionals that are stagnating just for a second. This seems to be the biggest tripping point that I see for uh, people that I what I would call have had success at some level in their career that they've gotten to this level that they're, you know, excited about, but 
stagnation has happened. This gets back to a little bit all the things we've talked about, landmark victories, curiosity, finding, are, am I working on important things? And you may be lying to yourself on all these fronts. So how do you dig yourself out? How do you go gain the self-awareness that you need to gain to go actually move the needle again and find the progression that you want? Because ultimately, all of this that we're talking about today, titles, compensation, at the core of it is all empty. What, it, what really matters is like, am I being fulfilled at work? Am I happy in my job? Am I being challenged in my job? Am, is, does it fit with the values that I find to be important? Have you seen somebody dig themselves out of this situation? And what are, what are the tips that you would give them as far as finding that self-discovery again? Yeah, I, I think it's rare people get out of this, but the people that do seem to realize that there's this tension in terms of feeling happiness with work or just anything in life. And it's that you have to have something that you're doing that's just hard enough that it's like pushing you and like making you work harder, but it's not so hard that it's going to kill you. It's not so hard that it's impossible. And so it's finding that balance and figuring out for yourself what that actually means. I think it's different for everyone. Um, I'm, listening to Elon Musk's book right now and learning that his version of this is absurdly high. But I think figuring out what that balance is and then what I think the hard part of it is, is oftentimes, like I, I'm thinking about tons of people I know, they got up to maybe director, something like that, really important in startups I've worked on in the past. And they just stay there because they're like, well, what else am I going to I don't have a great other opportunity alternative in front of me. Yep. No one's knocking on the door like I thought. I thought I was going to be this like hot item once I did X, whatever. The problem that they're facing and trying to, that they won't stare in the face uh, directly is that the thing they need to do to kind of like bump up the difficulty level just a little bit more might come at like a risk that they don't want to deal with. Mm. So mine for a while was I needed to go start my own startup after being a part of a successful one. But there were all these reasons in my head why I shouldn't do it and why it was dumb, whatever. And figuring out how to kind of get that out of the way and just say like, you know what? I'm going to go take a huge pay cut to do this thing and take the risk. And it's not going to kill me if it doesn't work out. And I think that was like a similar thing you had to kind of deal oh, yeah. with, like jumping into all this. I mean, more like a lot bigger scale than I'm even talking about with my career. And I have a lot of peers or friends um, that have reached a very, like from the outside looking in, people go like, oh, I would kill to have that title. I would kill to have that job. I would kill to have that comp. But they're not that happy. Yeah. So... I got bad news for everyone listening. There is no amount of compensation. There is no amount of title. There is no amount of opportunity that will fix um, 
the bug inside of you of wanting more. And that's actually like, at least from my perspective, core to the human experience. And people be like, well, this is life is not all about work. That's true. There's a lot to it. But for me, work is a such a big part of my life and such an important part of my happiness that I I've had to be very thoughtful about this. And the thing that I will say is it took me a while to get around this, but it got to the point where I had to go make a shift and I could never be at that time the CEO of the company that I was at. They weren't going to hire me to do that job. And you have to be honest with yourself. And so if I ever wanted to take the next step, I was going to either have to go to a much smaller company or start my own. That was just, that was it. That was the only path for me and forge a new path. And that does not mean everybody needs to go run a startup. That does not mean everybody needs to go to a smaller company. What it means is there may come a time where company employee fit needs a shift. And you might have to make a career change. You might have to move to a new location. You even did that. You you moved yourself physically to another part of the country to go gain new experiences, to go learn the things that you needed to go learn. So there's so many aspects to this. And usually in companies that have people that are self-unaware, you'll begin to see things like, we are conducting a round of 360 degree reviews. <laughs> what that means, what the company is trying to tell you at that point is, we believe there is a disconnect between the way our people see themselves and the way others see them. And you have got to be able to surround yourself with people that will tell you the honest truth about how they see you without going through a formal 360 degree review. That, and and I, I think a big part of it is finding people where they have an outcome that you want. That's like a key to it. Like you can, you can even have a boss or people in your own company or wherever you found yourself that start to tell you things and advice and whatever. If you don't like the outcome of their life, don't listen to their advice. So on that note, and we hear the word mentor, like I, I, this person, I want this person to mentor me. I don't think people really, at least when they really are looking for growth, they will be honest with themselves. Someone who is a mentor for you is not reading you good news. They should be reading you bad news consistently. Yeah. And because that's the only path to fixing what's wrong about how you want to get to the next step. And mentorship, from my experience, real mentorship has very little to do with giving you nuggets of wisdom and a lot more to do with giving you honest feedback about the way you are perceived and your warts. I had those people and they were very valuable to me. And what I found to be true is the things that I didn't want to hear, eventually I learned about myself to be true and being okay with it and building strengths around it. And so... I think those are all, that's a lot of like a nuanced conversation. The thing that's really intimidating, Brant, is you think about trying to build a company that matches all of those things. It is so hard to do. So having empathy for people that are trying to do this, they know the right things, they want to do the right things, but maybe they don't have all the visibility that they want to have. Um, We just 
uh, list, I just listened to a podcast called The Social Radars, which is Jessica Livingston and Caroline Levies, the, the two of the um, founders of YC. Um, they were interviewing Brian Chesky for the second time, the CEO of Airbnb, who I have found to be incredible. Um, so impressed by him. But he, as a CEO of a very large corporation now, is trying to wrestle control back of the company, probably for some of the reasons that we're talking about here, which is like, I actually want to be in the details and know what's happening. I want to know about the career progression of my people. I want to know all those things. It's a difficult thing to do when you're, when you're company building. There's a reason that great companies are hard to find. It's hard. It's not easy. Before we wrap up, Brent, any, any closing thoughts or maybe topics that we haven't touched on? I think I just like want to reinforce this concept of empathy. It's, I do think it's become corny to some degree and it's sort of been like weaponized. Like we have to be overly empathetic for everyone, blah, blah, blah. Like we're, I don't know. I'm super, Logic has left the building. I'm super out on that, but I do think it is something I see when people are trying to progress in their career and they feel, you know, like, maybe wronged by a previous experience, they become unempathetic towards everyone else around them. Inward looking, inward focus all the time. When that comes across to someone that's your leader, it's really hard to help that person. Amen. It's almost impossible. And so if you can just sort of start to like fix that, open yourself back up a little bit, try and put yourself in some other people's shoes, I actually think it can go a long way for for you and your career. That is a great, uh, great note to end on. Um, hope you guys enjoyed this discussion we had around kind of career progression, company building, and we will talk to you guys again soon.